and welcome to Living Stones, a podcast of conversations with the people of Red Mountain Community Church, highlighting the victories and struggles, the snapshots and stories of the people sitting right next to you on Sunday morning. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions and your fellow seat warmer at Red Mountain Community Church. My co-host today is our pastor of women's ministry, Red Mountain's Baroness of Bread Baking, Hallie Carl, how are you doing, Hallie? I'm really good, thank yeah. you. Yeah, are, are I you... love that title. Do you? Yeah, okay. that was amazing. Oh, let me circle that yeah. and make see if I can just remember. I know I'm going to throw this script away, but yeah. I'll try to yeah. remember that for okay. next time or there come up is. with something even better. There you go. Um, are you having more time to bake now that the women's Christmas dinner is over? Yeah, I uh, made some sourdough yesterday, actually. I should mention mm-hmm. we are recording this on December 16th. So while all of you are like, it's Christmas is gone, um, we are still in the thick of it, yes. in the thick of the busyness. But are, is your busiest part done now for 100%. December? 100%. Okay, yep. great. Yep. Great. But you said, you know, I remember you said that you bake when you are kind of stressed yes. too. So was there baking going on leading up to Women's Christmas um, Dinner? Definitely leading up, but not the week of. Okay. I just literally am not home enough to do that. Okay. So yeah. But I did make um, some sourdough. Sourdough takes two days to make. Yes. So I had started that and then baked it last night when I got home because I had a long day, but it tasted really good. Nice. Yep. Nice. So you Can st- I tell you something cool about yeah. my sourdough Please starter? Please do. <laughs> my mom got me for my birthday, this crock that is meant to have your sourdough starter in it. So I had kept it in a mason jar. And so now it's got a little home in this special crock. And I think it's really happy in there. Wow. Yeah. It made some good bread. Did you open it up and say, what a crock. No, I did no. not. Oh, okay. I said nice things to it because I want it to make good bread. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, if I I realize I thought I'd asked you this already, but I realized I had not. So I've been going through and asking this mm. question of all the pastors. Yes. If you could have another skill set or talent mm-hmm. that you don't currently have, and you had and you had to choose another career that you'd be successful enough to support yourself in. Okay. What would you choose? Do you think? I I found this question very difficult, and I figured you would ask me. Oh. So I've been pondering it actually for a couple of months. Oh, great. Yeah, and I have my answer for oh, you. Oh, I am ready. Okay. I'm ready to receive it. <laughs> and I think you're going to be surprised. Okay, and impressed. Uh, hopefully. Here we go. Okay, an astronaut. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So What are you, five? I know. I'm real, I know. <laughs> so I'm secretly, like, really obsessed with space. Really? And I love the space race, like, thinking of um, going through all of the, you know, Gemini and Apollo missions and everything. I get totally geeked out. Wow. And so... I just the exploration part of it and and all of that is so interesting to me, but I'm horrible at math. I'm incredibly claustrophobic. Um and what was But the there's third all that thing? wide open space. That's yeah, the but thing. you're in a very, very no, I know. small space. <laughs> That's a horrifying so nightmare. I don't have any sort of skill set. Like I could never be an astronaut. Yeah. And so that would be th- something. And I felt like I should be somewhat pastoral and say something that concerned people and like caring for people. But oh, whatever. I want to go to selfish. I want to go to cold, like... dead space where <laughs> there are no people. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Maybe a few in the in the ship with me. Yeah. Right. Well, and the, and that's going to be some up close and personal relationships. Yes, so if you want to go to space, really, that's not the way to get away from people. That's true. That's the way to like yeah. be, be uncomfortably with maybe some close. difficult people. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, people that smart, you know, there's probably other things yeah, going on. Yeah. We don't want to say anything bad about Astro. I'm sure they're all wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Okay. All right. Well, earlier today, Hallie and I spent some time talking with Kelly Hall, um, who has just a really interesting story, having raised uh, multiple children with uh, with disabilities and just the the things that God taught her the way that he reached her and uh, and uh, grew her through that experience. I mean, there's there's so much to it. Um, so I'm really looking mm. forward to you guys hearing this conversation. Here it is now. Well, Kelly, thanks again for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm looking forward to... I mean, there's so much that we're going to get into... What I kind of want to do with the first few questions is just kind of get a general brief overall of of just yeah. you know you and then then we'll start going kind of chronologically a bit. Maybe you could sense that when I gave you the questions by email. But uh, so first, I want to hear like when did you first come to faith in Jesus and kind of how did that come about? 
Okay. It's a kind of a weird story. Okay, so I don't great. tell it very often. <laughs> I grew up in this really small town in Port Natchez, Texas, and we all talk kind of like this. We really <laughs> did. Nice. And um, we went to church, and I was very involved, and I loved hearing God's word, and I believed God's word. But then one day, my next door neighbor, who wasn't very nice, who was my age, she came over and said, Kelly, you're going to burn in hell if you don't tell Jesus you want to follow him. Whoa! <laughs> and so that was like really harsh. And I went inside and talked to my dad and I said, um, you know, that girl next door who isn't very nice, she said this. And my dad prayed with me to receive Christ after he shared the gospel with me. Mm. And I, I really um, knew God's heart was mm. very good and loving mm. and that he could be trusted. And I knew Jesus and who he was, but I just never come to that point in my life where I'd said, I'm all in, mm -hmm. I'm going to follow you. And yeah. so that was good. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> like not a stamp of approval on that, uh, like no, a witnessing no technique, catalyst but no. it, that, that does speak to God's ability to use anyone. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yes. Wow. Okay, so uh, how many how many children do you have, and how old are they? Because that's really relevant to where we're going with this whole conversation. Yes. So we, we have four kids. Okay. Uh, my oldest is thirty two. Okay. And then my son is twenty nine, and he's married and lives in Denver, moving to Texas. And okay. my twin daughters are twenty seven. Okay. And all three of my girls live with us here in Phoenix. Okay. All right. Um, now, several of your kids have disabilities that yes. I have to imagine made your parenting experience pretty out of the ordinary. Can you give me an idea of uh, what those disabilities were and for which children? Yes. Yeah, so all three of our girls are born are profoundly deaf. And they so it's called congenital, profound, sensory neural deafness. And what is so that? So that means they're born deaf. Okay. And it means that the hair cells inside the cochlea don't really work. So okay. when they hear sounds or when sounds are happening, there's no connection between the sound and their brain. So they mm. just can't process sound at all. Okay. So even with hearing aids, um, they could not hear. Like oh. they were, I mean, they could hear someone banging on the floor or a jackhammer. And that was really encouraging news when we were told, well, they can hear a jackhammer or an airplane. And that's, oh, oh, thank you. That is such helpful information. <laughs> okay. We use those every day. You yeah, know? Yeah. So it was, um, they were also born, it turns out, with um, some genetic immune deficiencies, which we didn't know until we moved here, oh. and with some sensory issues and learning disabilities as okay. well, kind of all in the mix. Okay. But the main thing we knew initially was that they were profoundly deaf. Okay. How long ago did you guys move here? Two years ago. Okay. All right. So that's that's yeah. those uh, uh, immune deficiency uh, issues were, that's a really recent uh, discovery, yes. Discovery, as well yes. as the, like the learning disability. That was a recent discovery. That was too. along the way. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And, okay. Yeah. So then let's let's go along the way and let's go back okay. to uh, when you and your husband first uh, got the news of your first child's disability. How, what were you guys feeling and how were you reacting to that? Tell me about that. It's so funny that I always get emotional with this one story. It's been. So many years. But I guess just um, the memory of those emotions, it was pretty intense. Mm -hmm. So um, my husband was in Korea for a year. Family couldn't come. And we had one little girl. She was six months old. And I we moved in with my parents. They were living in California. And so I didn't have a military family around me at that time. And my husband was around the world. Okay. And so um, we noticed that she wasn't speaking. And I'm a physical therapist, so I kind of knew the development of speech. And she was making a lot of noise. She mm. was loud. But mm -hmm. the sounds didn't sound like um, consonant sounds or vowel sounds. So and how I, old did you say she was? At this? She was a year old at that point okay. when I started being concerned that something was going on. Okay. But there had never been anything wrong in our family, and I come from this huge extended family, so I kept writing it off as maybe there's fluid in her ears or something mm -hmm. like that. So um, we finally went to a doctor, and um, the nurse rang the bell, and she didn't turn and look, and I 
just tried to explain that behavior the way I had been for many months. Mm. See, she's so involved in her play, she never pays attention to you. And Mm. kind of this part of me thought she was the most stubborn child ever placed (laughs) on this earth because she wasn't very responsive. Mm. But um, the nurse immediately, thanks be to God, sent us to a specialist. Mm. And we were able to get in um, because of some cancellations right away. And my dad took the day off and drove me to this Navy hospital, and we found out there that she was profoundly deaf. Okay. So it was pretty shocking. And all the way home, you know, I tried to just wrap my mind around what that meant, and Mm. I couldn't believe it was true. And I'm looking at her, and she has this blonde, curly hair and beautiful blue eyes, and I Mm. kept saying, there's no way Mm. she is perfect. I don't get it. But when I got home, God is just so gracious how he helped me embrace it. The moment we got out of the car, she just grabbed my hand, pulled me to go play. And Mm. um, the moment she touched me, it was as if some electric Holy Spirit thing happened in me and God opened my eyes to know she was profoundly deaf. Mm. And this is the reality of my life and I needed to come face to face with it. So my dad played with her and I went upstairs and I just laid face down on the floor and poured Mm. out my heart to God. And He just met me there. You know, I just love how gracious he is with us. And so I just poured out all my questions and um, how could you let this happen? Mm. And I've been thanking you for, by this point, it was 15 months. I've been thanking you for 15 months Mm -hmm. for a healthy baby girl. And now this happens. You've known all along. Why Mm. didn't you tell me? I felt like Mm. he'd betrayed me. Mm. And so I just poured it all out. And um, I just couldn't believe how much it hurt. It just physically hurt, like someone was just stabbing me with a knife. So um, then God, through his Holy Spirit, just began to pour truth into my heart and reminded me of Scripture, Romans 8, 28, that he causes all things to work together for Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah 29, 11, his plans are for good. His plans are to give you a hope and a future. And um, then he reminded me of a story that's so interesting. One of the first stories I ever remember learning was the story of Joseph and how God had supernaturally worked in this very difficult, painful story Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. rejection and betrayal and so long. But he worked in there to bring about good. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Joseph's words to his brothers, you know, you went to harm me, but God did this for good to save Mm -hmm. a nation. And he also reminded me of Johnny Erickson Tata, paralyzed from the neck down, and how Mm. God had just redeemed her life and uses it to this day Mm. to encourage people and bring them to Christ. And as all of this was just pouring over my soul through the Holy Spirit, this very interesting thing happened. I felt hope rise up inside of me. Mm. And it was the first time I understood hope and grief could reside side by side in the same Mm. heart. And the other thing that happened was I actually began to be filled with a sense of anticipation of Mm. all the good that God was going to do. And I just sensed his Holy Spirit saying, Kelly, you're going to see my glory up close and personal, and you're not going to have to read about it in some book, and Mm. it's going to be good, Mm. and you're going to be blessed. And so I was able to get up off the floor Mm. and breathe again and... um, I called my mom. She was at work, and I told her everything. And my husband was on a plane coming home from Korea for okay. a three-week leave on a date he had chosen eight months earlier. Mm. So again, God's perfect provision. Oh, yeah. But I just prayed that he wouldn't call me before because I didn't oh. want to tell him the news when he was in an airport around the globe. Yeah. Mm. And he did call me, mm. and I had to tell him. <laughs> But God provided for him, too. He just set him next to this really sweet lady, and they talked for hours, and mm. helped, she just helped him process through it. Mm. And um, it, was, it was really gentle, a gentle way to kind of process the news. Mm. But that very night, um, my, when my mom got home from work, I just want to tell you how God met me in that place. 
Um, my dad was still playing with my daughter, Kayla, and okay. he came into the room. That's a and long play session. That's a long play <laughs> session, yes. She was, yes, he was her favorite. <laughs> so um, he came in and announced that he was hungry, and both my mom and I were like, how can men eat at a time like this? <laughs> so frustrating. But we, neither one of us could even think about preparing food, so we hopped in the car to go grab a pizza. And the minute we walked into this pizza place, I saw a mom, she was standing right there in front of the door, holding the hands of her little boy who had hearing aids on. Mm. And I just began to share my story with her. And she, it turned out, was a believer. And she was able to give me resources mm. where we could bring my daughter for help. Wow. And she also said to me, uh, you know, we never go out on a Friday night. And mm. as I looked at her four kids jumping around the restaurant, I thought, yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> 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 no, but she said, but tonight we thought we'd try a new place. Mm. And we didn't even know why we ended up here. Yeah. Mm. Wow. But now, now I know. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So as I walked out the door, the Holy Spirit just said to me, see, Kelly, I will mm. never leave you or forsake you. Mm. And God was just making it so clear. He was in this, that this was not a mistake. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my fault that he had sovereignly designed and orchestrated Kayla exactly as she was, mm. knit her together in my womb. And this was part of her story, but it wasn't the end of her story. Right. Mm. And so it was very... Very good to just rest in God's sovereignty and love. So you both came to this place of uh, just like acceptance, like, okay, this is the reality, mm -hmm. and now we're going to move forward and step into this. Mm -hmm. So tell me about what that looked like. I mean, um, what were some of the adjustments that you guys had to make in light of uh, your first child, and what, what, were those, what was that like, making those life changes? First of all, we had no idea what this meant. So yeah. we had to do a lot of research, and this was before the internet, so mm. you actually had to go to libraries oh, man, yeah. and read books. And so it was a slow process. But um, the cool thing was is that my husband was there so that we could grieve together, investigate together, make decisions together, and appointments that we weren't supposed to be able to get into for a year opened up, and they mm. happened while he was there. Mm. Wow. And so, and at night, I mean, that's when it would just feel the worst, like during mm -hmm. the day, you're so busy. But if you've ever gone through something hard, yep. it's when it gets dark and quiet, where it, you just start to feel the pain kind of rise up. Yeah. Mm. And so at night, um, Lee and I were just laying in each other's arms, and we would just pray scripture mm. and just pray the word and hold on to what we knew what mm -hmm. was true, even though we just couldn't imagine how it was going to look. Mm. So we did decide to start with sign language for our daughter. We got her hearing aids. She immediately started signing. And we had just read some books that without language, you can't think. And so we just wanted to throw oh. language at her as fast mm -hmm. as we could. Mm. And then we received some really bad news that, and this is not true today, but back then... Um, they said that most deaf people don't read beyond a sixth grade level. Mm. And so that was just heartbreaking. Mm. Yeah. I'm like, no way, no. Right. And I just said to God, please don't let that be her story. Right. I just ask you to give her the gift of language. And he has mm. all along the way, even when her speech was terrible, people yeah. would say, but I can't believe how quickly she learns language. Mm. I mean, mm. yeah. she just, just absorbed it and was able to process it and use it immediately. Wow. Right. So it, God really met us there too. Yeah. But we were only there in that place for a few more months before we moved again. Oh. So we didn't get to set up many services. So right after that, Lee came back from Korea and we moved to Phoenix. We oh, were okay. actually lived here before oh, over okay. at Luke Air Force Base oh, okay. for three years. All right. So that's where we really started kind of coming to grips with what it would mean Hmm. You know, like yeah. those those little weird things where you see the little children's choir come up and perform at church, hmm. and I'd start sobbing because yeah. I would realize, oh, that's not going to be her yep. story. Mm. So you just kind of slowly wrap your mind around the reality. Mm -hmm. Were those like the 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 harder things to adjust to is like kind of realizing how different her life was going to be or was it the day-to-day -day like okay we have to learn sign language we got to learn mm. this because I, I think about learning sign language i'm like have you seen my handwriting my fingers don't work well <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what was cool is that one of my goals for that year of being separated from my husband was to learn sign language oh, okay so i had already learned quite a bit and it was really easy to make that transition mm -hmm. the hardest thing was not being able to talk to her about the thing that I love the most, and that's Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's what really broke my heart. Mm. 
Because when you first start trying to teach a profoundly deaf person to talk, you're teaching them how to ask for a drink or mm-hmm. um, yeah. how to ask for their basic needs, needs or yeah, yeah. basic mm-hmm. needs. So it's very elementary. It's nothing heart, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. you know. And so um, I would hear people telling me sweet stories of how they share Jesus with their children, oh, yeah. and they mm-hmm. and I would just kill me. Yeah. Mm. Well, you are mourning the normalcy that uh, yeah. those mm. things that just even the, like the choir moment or mm-hmm. these yeah. things like mm-hmm. they would surprise you come up out of nowhere, but then you'd have to mourn that because that would be something she wouldn't have. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Now you've kind of alluded to it a few times, but like it sounds like your husband was away a lot. You mentioned Luke Air Force Base. So yeah. tell me about his work and just kind of the the impact that situation had on uh, raising, uh, just yeah. starting with your, your first child. It was huge. He was in the air force, flew F-16s. So, um, sometimes he was at training bases. Sometimes he was at deployment bases where he would be gone more. But even when he was at training plate bases, there were schools he had to go to. And so, um, one time I sat down and I added up all the years that we had been separated, you know, the deployments, the schools, and times when I had to live in St. Louis away from my husband so my girls could receive the services they needed. Mm-hmm. And that's actually where they got the cochlear implants was okay. there. But it it added up to like six years of him yeah. being completely wow. absent. And even when he was there, his job was so big, he would be, you know, in a squadron that was going to war. So it was 24-7. Mm-hmm. So it really was, I felt so supported by him. I felt so loved by him and his faith so steadfast. And I'm very thankful for that. But so much of the child rearing and the decisions and all that was on me. It was Mm. just all on me. Yeah. So when he would come home from deployments, I would often just break down and cry because I could just, you know, get a little, I was able to hand over some of the responsibility. Mm. Yep. What did your um what did your relationship with God look like while you as you were raising your first two children? Because your second child did not have any disabilities, is that right? right? Okay. Right. Um so like during that time, uh what kinds of things were uh, you thinking about uh, about God and his character and what kinds mm-hmm. of things were you asking him for? Yeah, that's such a good question. First of all, I'll mention that our kids are so close together in age that I was pregnant with the twins when my son was one. Oh, And so okay. my oldest daughter was four. Okay. Very close together. Yeah. But I was pregnant, and I was teaching Bible study and uh, raising the other two. And I was teaching these women to memorize scripture, and so we were doing Cynthia... Cynthia Held's book, Becoming a Woman of Simplicity, I believe. And so every week we'd memorize more scripture. So I had all these scriptures that we were all praying, but I noticed in my life that there was absolutely no peace. And I was a very stressed Mm. out, Mm. unhappy mom. And uh, there was in fact one kitchen drawer that took a lot of hits. And uh, because when I would get angry, I wouldn't yell at my kids, but I would slam that drawer over and over until I felt better. And one time we walked into the bedroom holding the drawer face because I had destroyed it. (laughs) But <laughs> like they just don't make houses like they used to. But um, but it was so sweet because I just said to God, I I know I should have peace, so something's wrong. Mm. Something's wrong in me, and I need your help. Yeah. So I maybe I'm memorizing too many verses because I feel like my mind is just pulled in a bunch of different mm. directions. So just give me one, mm. and immediately God brought to mind Proverbs three five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me, and I will direct your paths. And so I said, that is a good one. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much sums up the whole faith journey. I like that. Good choice. But I learn through story, and I teach through story. So I said to God, even that one scripture, I don't even know what that looks like on a daily basis. Mm. I just need you to show me what it looks like. And so God did begin to show me, and that is... Everything he did for like the next 20 years, which he was teaching me how to trust in him and not myself, how to rely mm. on his plans and not my own, how to see with his eyes of eternity rather than my very temporal yeah. eyes. Mm. So that, that was what I was praying for, that God would show me how to trust him completely mm. and not be so stressed out and to have um, his peace ruling in my heart rather than fear, mm-hmm. a lot of fear for my daughter's future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of fear about whether the twins would be deaf, too. You mm-hmm. know what that would look like. Yeah. You'd mentioned when you first heard 
the news about your first child, uh, feeling thoughts of like and of betrayal and just putting that yeah. out on the table. Did that continue, or like, were, was there any like? Um, returning, recurring, or staying, you know, constant or any, any form of, of that uh, element still present or not so much? No, not okay. that. I felt very loved by God and I did not feel like I knew he had purpose. I mm-hmm. knew there was purpose, but living it out in the day to day, that's where the struggle was okay. trying to trust him in the day to day. Cause it was very, very stressful with my oldest daughter, whose speech was extremely difficult to understand. Mm. So I always had mom guilt, not only for not being able to teach them how to follow Jesus and do all the things you're supposed yeah. to do, but mm. also mom guilt for I'm not teaching her enough words. Mm. So every time she would speak, what I had to do was try to figure out what she was saying. And then I'd have to repeat it back to her so that she could say it correctly. Okay. And then I could finally respond to what she said. So it took a lot of patience. Yeah. And it was really hard. And that's why I was so afraid that the twins would be deaf because I couldn't imagine that times three. Yeah. And I remember telling my pastor's wife, okay, even though, you know, the child-parent ratio is going to become really scary in a minute when those (laughs) twins are born, you know, we're going to have double the number of kids than parents, I think I can do it as long as the twins can hear. Mm. So I really had this um, kind of a worldly way of looking at that. Hmm. So like you you mentioned this anticipation of like, what if the twins have a hearing disability? Yeah. Um, was that, <clears throat> did you have like reason, like uh, scientifically, like because of genetics oh, to, to anticipate that? Or was it just because you had had this experience? And so that's the reason that that's what yeah. you knew. And so you were anticipating that. Like, was there a... Yeah, there was a genetic thing. Okay, so there's okay. no family history. But when I was pregnant with my son, they said, you probably have a genetic... You each have a recessive gene. Gotcha. So you have a one in four chance of having more deaf children. Okay. So you had a very real and yeah, reasonable yeah. concern that, mm-hmm. that the twins might have a hearing disability. And then the news came that they did. Yes. Uh, so tell me how you, and after all this, uh, all this struggling and growing and God just meeting you where you're at and just what sounds like constantly hanging on the edge of a cliff getting through this, yeah. now you get this news. How did your how, yeah. you and your husband react to that? It was so hard. I, I thought it was really gracious, though, the way God prepared me for it because I... Um, even before I was teaching Bible study, and um, this is a different Bible study, I people would ask me, do you think the twins will be deaf? And I really hadn't dealt with that possibility. And so one day, um, you know, we would just kind of say, well, of course not, which is so silly and unbiblical, but it was just a way to kind of quiet people's responses. You mm. know, of course, I don't have an answer to that question. <laughs> but yeah. um, one day I said that to this girl, you know, in Bible study, I said, well, surely not. They won't be deaf. And mm. she said, well, they might be. And I knew that that was true. So I just am really gracious that God allowed me to just, um, I went home and I just, wrestled through that whole idea that Mm. it could possibly happen. And it was a little bit comical the way it played out because I thought God needed to be reminded of his faithfulness. And so I started (laughs) him in the book of Genesis, marched him through the entire Bible to Revelation, every faithful thing I could think of he'd ever done. And then I said, see how you are. So why would you want them to be deaf? Let's just skip that part of (laughs) the story. There is like, there's some precedent for that in the Psalms, I think, of of people pleading with God, remember what you've done, remember what you've done. Absolutely. But then I went to remind him of my own faithfulness, you know, and I said, I have trusted you for five years for my daughter's deafness. So, you know, I'm going to trust you if they're deaf. So really, what's the point? Yeah, don't just move to on that. to yeah, something yeah. new. Yeah, yeah. And then I just told the Lord, I know you use trials to help us grow in our faith. So I would like a new one. And I listed <laughs> some he could consider, you know, just a whole myriad of things. And it was good to get that out there. It was mm. so good to wrestle through it all mm. and just lay it all out. And then there was just nothing standing in the way of mm. my being able to hear his response. So yeah. I knew the conversation wasn't over that day, mm-hmm. but it did open my heart to be able to hear his word. And the next day he gave me John fourteen twenty seven, which mm. says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give you. Don't be troubled and don't be afraid. Mm. And so his peace for the rest of that time, whenever I became fearful, I would just remember that scripture and I'd open my heart to his peace and let that rule rather than worry. It was a battle, but it was just so gracious that God did that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So on the day we found out the twins were only two weeks old. Okay. 
And we went to the doctor. Lee took the day, the morning off work, and he drove. And he, the way you do tests back then was you have to put him to sleep. So he takes, oh. I put one twin to sleep, feeding her, and then he goes in with the baby. And then I'm trying to get the other one to go to sleep for her test. And he comes out and says, um, I need you to come back there. And I said, well, why? Did the test not work? And he said, um, there was no response. And I said, well, what does that mean? Is the machine broken? I don't get it. <laughs> and he said, Kelly, there is no response. Yeah. And so I just, I really shut down for a minute. Mm. And I just said, I'm not going back there. And mm. I don't know, just the sound of his voice. He was just so steadfast and calm. Yeah. That's Lee. And he said, I need you to come back. And somehow God just handed me strength through him. Mm. And so I just packed up and went to the back. And they tested both the girls, and there was no response. And I realized mm. that they were profoundly deaf, yeah. too. Mm. So we drove home, and both my husband and I deal with, we all deal with pain in different ways, mm -hmm. but we, we deal with it very differently. So I I need to talk about it, and I need to... <laughs> process it and he needs to go like do tasks mm. like like clean the house or something mm -hmm. okay. and sweep mow whatever let's find something <laughs> to destroy and he processes and hears from god that way mm. so i called people and i told him you know from my bible study the twins are deaf and um it, it was just so sweet that one girl just said she's very young in her faith and she said well they can't be deaf because there's this verse in the bible that says if you pray and really believe god will give you what you ask for and that's mm. what i've been doing so i don't know how they could be deaf mm. and god just gave me the words in response and i just said oh beth you don't need to worry about us this is going to be good god mm. is going to move and work in our story he's going to bring glory to his name and our family's going to be very blessed mm. And as I heard those words, they just poured comfort mm. over my heart. And um, the one thing I did ask the Lord was, please, you know, I'm willing to trust you through this, and I'm thankful that you prepared my heart for it. But please don't let it hurt as much as it did the first time, mm. because my heart was really weary of the pain. Yeah, It just felt mm. like someone had ripped a scab off an old wound. It was the same the same diagnosis, the yeah. same difficulty, the same hurt, the same pain. And it was just more than I could handle. And when I looked at um, my sweet uh, five-year-old Kayla and I imagined what it was going to look like for my twins, it was, I just hurt for them. Yeah. And it really broke my heart. But God answered our prayer for comfort, and that is why I so often pray that prayer for people when mm -hmm. they're dealing with trauma or new pain or a diagnosis, that God would just cushion the blow. Yeah. And that is exactly what he did. He poured peace over us. I remember two weeks later, we were just playing with the twins, and my husband looked at me and said, don't you think we should be more depressed? Mm. And I realized God had answered that prayer mm. that it really it really wasn't hurting as much as it had the first time mm. yeah wow. it's so good um as you look back kind of at, at uh just this this whole journey you've been on and now you're now, now all these kids we've talked about are adults yeah you know um are, are there any ways as you look at the time spent raising them, that you see God providing and caring for you and your family. Talk about that a little oh, bit. Oh, so many ways. So many ways. I'll tell you one of my husband's favorite stories. Okay. Okay. So I was in St. Louis by myself. He has. He was at a school. I had to live a year and a half with the four little kids. And this was when all three of our girls received cochlear implants in that process. And they were Ooh. learning to talk. And um, he would come home on the weekends, and then he had to move even further away. So it was really a difficult time. But um, God just so graciously provided people. So mm. I, I mm. want you to know that people have been sent by the Lord to bring so much grace and comfort to us. So um, be the people. That's <laughs> my, be those people. Mm. So I was, I kind I came home from dropping the kids off. I had like an hour and a half before I had to go pick them all up from therapies and preschool and various things. And it was cold and winter in the Midwest. And it's just the iciest, coldest winters I've ever spent in my life mm. there. So I came home all bundled up and I was very lonely because I did not have a church family yet. And um, it was really hard. Life mm. is very hard. And I just told the Lord, I just want to talk to somebody 
And um, I just really need someone. And so I poured out my heart to him and I said, I really did enjoy talking to you, but I still would really like a person (laughs) and someone else. And um, so I just prayed for that. And I couldn't think of anyone to call because, you know, when you're in the throes of emotion, like Mm -hmm. your list of possibilities becomes limited really fast. And you don't want to call family because they hurt for you and they want to come rescue you. And so I didn't know who to call. But as I was leaving to go get some comfort food at Panera Bread, the (laughs) phone rang. And um, it was this woman that I'd met at a church one time. And she said, "Um, Kelly, God has been uh, whispering your name to me for three days. And today I kept saying to him, I don't know what to say to her. How can Mm. I help her? Why should I call her? I feel so helpless. But today he started yelling your name at me (laughs) until I picked up the phone and called. persistent. Yes. So I love that. So we talked for 45 minutes. And I felt like no one could understand our story, but... She and her husband had actually moved to St. Louis for the same reason we had. Mm. He had been in the military. They had three profoundly deaf children, too, Mm. and had gone to the same school we went to. And so there was someone who could understand. She was really able to meet me in that place and talk through some things, and it was very, very helpful. When I got off the phone, I just fell to my knees in tears Mm -hmm. that God loved me enough to arrange a phone call and to start doing it three days earlier because that's how long it was going to take her to say yes. I just loved that. So that was one of the big ways God provided. And also when I look at my girls' education along the way, I mean, they dealt with a lot of people who misunderstood them, Mm -hmm. not their words, their heart. Okay. And so they really felt dismissed and devalued. They dealt with rejection and bullying and Mm. just a lot of really hard things. But God provided people. He provided Christian um, special needs people at one place where my daughter was in high school and the twins were in middle school. And they defended and protected my Mm. girls in ways that I never could have. Mm. And then when, um, you know, and through... He also provided people like at colleges where one of my daughters, she was just, she really is still the sickest and has a lot of neurological issues. She was really struggling to get out of bed and go to school and um, finish college. Mm. But we were given a Christian person who was the head of her department who helped all the professors in the department understand her and figure Mm. out how to relate to her. Mm. And because of her love and the grace of God, she graduated. Mm. So all three of our girls have graduated from college. And then our oldest daughter went on to get her master's in Portland at Multnomah University. And um, she got it in global development and justice because she really felt Mm. led to just fight for people who didn't have a voice and Mm. understand them and meet them in those places. Mm. That's amazing for a little girl that you were told wasn't going to be able to read past a sixth grade level. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. Such a gift. Yep. Such a gift. He provided so many ways, and even financially, because one time I got a bill from the hospital, and it was for $150,000. Oh, my gosh. And it said at the bottom, you can pay by credit card if you like. Oh, thanks. (laughs) So, okay. So I I couldn't breathe, couldn't breathe. and um, But I called them, and then they said, oh, no, your insurance will pay for it. So, so many... Air Force guys got out of the Air Force and flew for the airlines, but because we stayed in, we had some of the best insurance in the country Mm. that paid for the cochlear implants, Mm. even paid for the special schools where our girls went at one point. That's wonderful. So financially, God's taken care of us and um, provided for these girls in such beautiful ways. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that he did is he spoke to me as their mom so beautifully in so many ways and gave me so many promises for our mm. girls. I I just love that about the Lord is that he speaks. That's yeah. one of my, he speaks to us. He mm. doesn't leave us floundering. He yeah. says, call to me and I'll answer you and I'll tell you, tell you what you need to know. Mm. I'll tell you things you couldn't figure out on your own. Yep. And I'm very, very grateful for that too. I'll tell you uh, one of the funny parts when the kids were really young and I was in St. Louis. And so we were friends with other families who had one hearing impaired child. And we went out when Lee was visiting on the weekend, we went out to get ice cream together. And these people said, you know, whenever I feel sorry for myself, I just think, well, at least we're not the halls. Because <laughs> oh, they have three deaf kids. And my husband was like, hello, we can hear you. Yes, we are, we are right here. Man. So that was just 
kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I love how God brought hope to people through our story. Mm. And there were times when we, I mean, you, you know, you kind of play with the idea, like, is there a way I could like, give up and uh, retire from this? <laughs> you know, and is there any outs, any uh, outs around that God yeah. might allow? But God would just bring me to scriptures that talked about mm. perseverance and just make it so clear your perseverance matters. It matters. Mm. People look at your story, people you don't even know, and they see your perseverance, they see your faith, they see God's faithfulness, and it gives them hope for mm. their hard stories. Mm. I love your perspective, even in those moments of like this, you know, when someone says something that to me sounds super insensitive and, and can be even harsh, yeah. <laughs> and yet you're able to view that and, and see it through a filter of Jesus of like, actually, because we have three and they only have one, we are giving them hope because look, they can do it with three, we can do it with one, mm. or even the gal that called and and was I think you said her name was Beth and yeah. she was you know having this faith crisis in the midst of your own but he, you were able to be ministered to by Jesus to by then ministering to yes. Beth in that moment so instead of allowing something that my flesh would I feel like get maybe a little rude back I you were able to to really in the moment through the spirit, yes, I know that was the, the spirit, spirit working yes, in you, but yes. I love um, that perspective. It's a good reminder to not always react when somebody says something that might not be the thing that you want to hear or yeah. would like to hear. I would think at times like that too, that there are so many people whose stories I look to for yeah. hope. So many people whose stories I consider so much harder than mine. Mm -hmm. And I look at their perseverance and their faithfulness and it gives me hope too. So I, I think that was why I was able to have that perspective. Yes, yeah. And I knew they didn't mean it right, in a harmful for way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, Kelly, this is, I'm sorry, did you have something else? You, you were leaning yes, into something. I was about to, <laughs> yes. I want to tell you a story about how God met me and my husband during his Air Force years, yeah, you know? Yeah. So he was, I was taking care of the kids by myself again. <laughs> let me just remind you, hello, I'm doing this by myself. <laughs> but um, he was deployed to, um, what was Saudi Arabia, Dahran, Saudi Arabia, and they were involved in uh, patrolling the no-fly zones over okay. um, southern Iraq, I believe. Okay. And um, so while he was there, he would be deployed for three months, and then they kind of all took turns. The different squadrons took turns. But they had only been there 10 days when I got a phone call that there had been a bomb. Oh, my gosh. And so I thought, at first I thought, well, okay, a little bomb. Everybody's fine. Mm. And But I turned on the TV, and it was a horrible, devastating terrorist bomb that had exploded right mm. outside their complex. Mm. And I knew his apartment building was only three over from the wall. So I, um, I just, I was praying for him, but I was really scared. And then I had to call all the wives and start the phone tree. And I had to call yeah. the single guy's parents and tell them and all that stuff was happening. But we had heard the news that they were the first squadron accounted for and that everyone had survived. Mm -hmm. And so even though, but I knew there were injuries, I knew some people had died. I didn't know what had happened. It was 24 hours before I heard from my husband. You know, to hear his voice was just like, okay, you really are alive. Yeah. That yeah. gives me peace. Yeah. But then it was another 24 before I got to hear the story. And he said it was at 10 o'clock at night. And so they were all in their rooms and just doing their evening stuff. He was reading a book. Some people were watching TV. Someone else was ironing. And he felt the air being sucked out of the room. Mm. And immediately God just let him know there's a bomb. And wow. so he ducked and covered his face and his head, and then the bomb exploded, and all the windows in all the apartment buildings, wow. you know, were shot out, all the doors, everything mm. was blown off the hinges, and the people next to him were bleeding profusely, and um, people were picked up and thrown across the room. So there was a lot of fear and a lot of chaos, but God immediately spoke to Lee out of Joshua 1.9 and said, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not tremble. Do not be afraid for I am with you wherever mm. you go. And so he immediately just felt God's peace pour over him. And he felt God telling him to put his uniform on. He got his uniform on and his boots on and went outside. And even though there was just mass chaos mm -hmm. and people were yelling, you know, snipers are coming over the walls, more bombs are coming. People were bleeding because they hadn't put their shoes on. So they're walking on glass. Oh, boy. 
And he said their squadron was able to be gathered faster than anyone. And they mm. went to an underground place where they had safety and um, they were able to watch on the news what had happened because they really had no idea. Mm. And then he said the next day he went back to survey the damage to their room and the wall behind his face was just filled with glass. And it oh, was wow. glass that would have been in his eyes and his face had he not ducked. ducked. So wow. when mm. I heard that, I just felt God's sovereign hand. And, you know, it would be so easy for fear to control us during that time yeah. as yeah. we just wanted our husbands to come home and we didn't know where they were sometimes during right. that aftermath. Yeah. But God just kept telling me, I am sovereign and your mm. husband is just as safe around the globe in my hands as he would be in your bed at mm. home in my hands. Mm. So you can trust me. And I that is really one of the biggest messages that God taught me over the years was that he's sovereign mm. and I can trust him. He has a good plan. His heart is good. His father's heart is good. And so many times God rescued me out of you know when you walk for so many years without having your prayers answered mm. because our girls became sick. They had this immune deficiency and they became very sick. And then even though they'd graduated from college, they haven't been able to work. And so they've moved in with us. And it was not until we got here that they were finally diagnosed with um, chronic Lyme and so many other viruses that are in their body and a lot of neurological issues that okay. have names that we don't need to go into. Okay. Don't need to explain it all. But it was just a relief to understand what was going on, but also overwhelming to see how huge and impossible their journey is. And, mm. you know, as we were walking forward toward healing, it's still really scary and difficult. But the thing that hurt me the most was that I realized that they'd been dealing with so much of this, even when they were little bitty, mm. like some of it they'd been born with. They'd been mm. living with chronic pain and uh, mm. chronic fatigue. And that stuff really slashed at my heart it mm. was like you know they've just suffered they just suffered so much mm. and so that was the first time i felt offended at god with mm. everything that we have walked through but he was just so gracious to meet me in that place of offense and um just heal my heart with his love mm. and i, I just i'm so grateful for the way his holy spirit opens up word and his word and takes you to very familiar stories and then just pours love on mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And he healed my heart. And one of the things that he healed my husband from was becoming cynical, mm. you know, cause doesn't that happen sure. when you wait a long time for prayers to be answered Absolutely. and then you kind of see a piling on mm -hmm. of suffering mm -hmm. rather than mm. relief. So God led us to um, just some scripture, like Isaiah 43, 18, 19. I'm doing a new thing, yeah. and I am good. My love endures forever. And he just really began to pull us out of our small, cynical, weary stories and help us believe him for bigger things. Mm. And he would tell us, stop letting your past disappointments limit my goodness. Mm. Stop letting your past disappointments define your future. Mm. And then he would tell me to pray for new things, bigger things. But, you know, it's hard to go there with the Lord because what can you, what what do you know he wants you to pray for? What's his will? Right. You know, mm -hmm. well, I can pray this promise, but I don't know what that's going to look like. But what God did was he just opened our eyes to his bigness and his yeah. love. Mm -hmm. You know, when you go to your good father and you ask for food, he doesn't throw snakes and rocks at you. Right. You can trust his very good, loving heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm very thankful for the way he has just um, protected us and healed us along the way. And my girls, too. He's been mm. healing their souls of the PTSD and all the trauma mm. of yeah. life. Mm. Huh, that's such a big story. <laughs> we live in a big story. We all do. But. Yes, we do. <laughs> well, and, and you're still in, in many ways in the thick of it. and yeah. uh, and. So I appreciate all the more just your willingness to come. You know, we've talked to a number of people, and and some of them are talking about things that happened a while back. They have perspective on. You certainly shared some things like that that you've gained some perspective on. But there's also a very real sense in which things are still raw for you right now. You're going through some of the same things before. You're discovering new things that you're still in the thick of, still kind of in a, in a bit of a raw state. And so... I so appreciate your willingness to come and just kind of uh, put yourself on the table and, uh, and, and allow us to get to know you a little bit. So thank you so much, Kelly. Really appreciate it. Thank you.
All right. So, Hallie, what uh, what stands out to you from? I mean, there's a, a ton there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you could, if there's maybe just one thing that okay. kind of like bubbles to the surface for now, what what stood out to you? Well, I think I was struck anew hearing her story again because um, I've heard it just personally over lunch before. Um, how honest she was with God about her emotions. So mm-hmm. even in, in that that day of initially finding out that Kayla was profoundly deaf and when her dad was with Kayla and she went upstairs and just laid face down on the ground and and kind of let him have it and yeah. was just honest. Yeah. And then again, when the, when the twins, when she found out with the twins and um, again, another very raw and honest conversation with God. And I, I think um, so often we hold back the, the anger, the hurt, the mm-hmm. just raw emotion from him as if he doesn't know we're feeling it, you yeah. know? And yet yeah. when, when she had that open dialogue with him how quickly he met her in that raw raw space. And she even used the words that she learned that grief and hope can reside side by side. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was very struck by that and, and just how um, communicative she is with Jesus all the time, mm-hmm. uh, talking to him, hearing his voice. And um, I think just that is such a good reminder of how honest we can be with him and how he he really desires that from us yeah. and, um, and how he will meet you, maybe not in the way you expected, the yeah. answer you expected or uh, the comfort you expected, but yet he provides it and he's... Uh, consistent and persistent in that. I just loved that. Yeah. Yeah. There was like so much, this is one that like, I'm sure I could listen to again a number of times and there would probably be something different that would kind of pop out every time because there's a lot there and so much more that, uh, you know, she could have shared. But uh, for for whatever reason, the word story jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. she uh, she talked about you know uh, how she learns and teaches through story, and then when she talked about like um, her kids and what they were going through, she would say things like, "Okay, so this isn't going to be their that their story. story it's not yeah. going to be their story." You know, um, and mm-hmm. in talking about like what she was going through, talking about you know uh, what's going to be true or not true of my story. You know, right and. Uh, I thought it was interesting just how how that seemed to go hand in hand with her ability to have perspective on her life and acceptance yeah. of what she was going through instead of like hanging on to, you know, uh, this kind of idea maybe that, that she had of what, you know, mm. raising kids could or should or is supposed to be like, quote unquote, right. or whatever. Instead, God seemed to bring her to this place of of seeing it as like, no, there's a unique story that I want to tell in every yeah. person's life, and there's wonderful things that I can and want to do in each person's own unique story. Right. You know, that's, and so I, I just thought that was um, just a really kind of a helpful way, I think, to consider the the, the different things that could that we could run into in life or as i think about my own life and like oh man i wish that such and such thing would have gone better than it did right. and that you know my, certain things in my life would be true instead of you know what what i have you know um but seeing it in terms of okay well that's that's just not the story that god is telling in right. your life and so embrace the story that he is telling and see what kinds of things some see what unique ways yeah. he can move in the story he is telling in right. your life you know so that's really what jumped out to me. Um, yeah, that was that's that was so that, good. Yeah, that was really neat talking to her. Um, good gravy. There's no good transition. Gravy. There's no transition. <laughs> there's no. There's no transition. No, um, but we're not. gonna talk about the poll segment now. Okay. Because cool. we've committed to doing a poll segment. we've made a commitment we're gonna see it through (laughs) and uh you can respond to our monthly poll at rmcchurch.org slash podcast um right now we're gonna dig into some christmas leftovers because y'all are listening to this i said y'all that's not really part of my uh it's because we were talking to kelly you know that's right that's it had to be it that had to be it okay that's it totally okay 
But as you guys are listening to this, it's January. And so it's it's like that, you know, it's that leftover Christmas food in the back of the fridge mm. that somebody brought over for the party. And you not it's been in there for you forgot about it. It's been in there for like two and a <laughs> half. You've you found it like mid-January at this point. Ooh. You pull it out, open that up, you smell it, and you're not sure if it was once mm. supposed to be savory or sweet, but something's mm. not right. Mm-mm. We're gonna stick that in the microwave, see if we can make oh, something Peter. out of it. <laughs> We got some uh, Christmas leftovers for you now. The poll question, the very Christmassy themed poll question. Do you open presents on Christmas Eve? Yes or no? We had over 100 people respond. Uh, 44% said yes. Yes, you do open presents on Christmas Eve. 56 said no. Several people said they open just one present on Christmas Eve and the rest on Christmas Day. Mm. While others said they open just a handful on Christmas Eve and the majority on Christmas Day. Hallie, what about <laughs> the Carl the household? Um, so Lee and I are both kind of suckers. So we can get talked into one mm. on Christmas Eve Eve. Mm. The boys normally push for like one. Like Eve Eve. Like the, yeah, the like evening. the 23rd. Wowzer. Yeah, uh-huh. So we'll get talked. And I, it, we'll never give them a good one that night. It'll be like socks or something. <laughs> um, but it's fun. And then, um, and then I think that's the night. And the kids will probably laugh at me when I can't remember this, but we do a little secret Santa, the four Carls. So we just draw a name of one of us and then make sure none of us has ourselves. And I think we do that on Christmas Eve Eve as well. Oh, Mm -hmm. we haven't even gotten to Christmas Eve yet. No, Peter. Holy cow. Gifts are a big deal to me. Um, Do you guys do the 12 days of Christmas? No, no. no. (laughs) Um, And then on Christmas Eve, Lee's family traditionally, they always did all their presents on Christmas Eve. So we did, we, that was not my, story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was what Lee's family did. And so we do um a few with the kids, but mostly their their aunt and cousins on, on Lee's side that's where they, they do their presents. Okay. But our family it's all on Christmas Day. Has it yeah. always been like that that way? Like you do some extended family presents on Christmas Eve? Like yes. your kids grew up with that? Yes. Dang yep. it. Yep. Dang it, I should have fought for that. Yeah. I should have fought for that. Because yeah. I grew up um, always opening presents on Christmas Eve, like okay. except for the stocking presents. Oh, except okay. for the stocking presents. Okay. And uh, I'm not sure why that was. My my parents were never like Santa Claus people, so we okay. always knew that you know those were from them too. But for some yeah. reason, we waited into the. I think it was because really early on. Christmas morning, we would get up really early and go travel to like a nearby town because we live in Montana when I was okay. a little kid. And we would travel, you know, a couple hours to grandma's house for sure. the big Christmas day thing. And so I think maybe that's at first yeah. why we were doing it Christmas Eve. And then it just stuck. But Holly was going to have none of that. But okay. And that's my whole concept of like when you open presents is when it's dark and it's like a nice <laughs> candle or like a tree lit yeah, room, you know, it's yeah. nice, warm and cozy. And, right. and she argues, well, then, you know, you, the kids can't, the, they don't have the whole day ahead of them to play with their toys. But I argue, but you get a peaceful, <laughs> restful sleep snuggling up to that transformer or whatever it was that you oh, got, yeah. you know. <laughs> ah, and so, but see now, there's I, so much angst. I talked to our boys. There is a little bit. Yeah. There's a little bit of issues here. Mm-hmm. I talked to our boys um, uh, just uh, like a week or so ago, and I said, uh, "What would? I mean, some people open their presents Christmas Eve. What do you guys think of that? I mean, yeah. we, do you do you ever want to do that? Or you know, and um, and they're it's too late. They've been poisoned. You know, they oh. they said. No, that's that I can't, one of them might have said that's weird and oh. and the the main the overriding thought was you don't get to open as many at once if you open like some okay. of them on Christmas Eve. They want to huh. open like all of them at once. Interesting. In one go. And uh so they've already been broken. Mm. They've already been so yeah, sad. Yeah, that's a tough one. I open good mail before bad mail too. Like I want something early. How do you know what the good mail is? Like if you get a letter. Right. If I get a card from someone, oh, as opposed to like a like yeah, a bill or like a right. your subscription, yeah, blah blah blah. No. Okay, yeah. So right. like I'm somebody that unfortunately can't wait until yeah. the right time. Like Holly's time yeah. would be the right time. Yeah. So, yeah. Ugh. All Sorry, right. Peter. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. I, I've, yeah. I've adjusted to it. Okay. I've adjusted to it. Kind of. I feel like. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. You're yeah. right. I've not adjusted. Okay. I am yeah. not a well-adjusted man. <laughs> 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 I, 
All right. Well, that's it for this episode of Living Stones. You can follow. You see how I did that? You exit on a laugh. You try yes, to exit on a right. laugh. Yep. And then it's like that's how the, the pros do it. You can follow Red Mountain Community Church at MyRedMTN on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also go online to rmcchurch.org slash podcast to submit responses to our poll questions and leave questions for the guests featured on the next show. On our next episode, we're going to be talking with Cody Mosier. Cody Mosier. Cody Mosier. We're going to talk about video games. No, we're oh, not. That, I was going to say, that I would sounds really like enjoy your dream episode. Yeah, well, Cody and I, that's normally what we talk about is video games. But uh, no, he's going to, we're going to talk about, he's going to share about trying to trust God in the midst of uncertainty. So that mm, sounds like it's going to be awesome. a good conversation. Yeah. Uh, you can go online to rmcchurch.org slash podcast to submit your question for Cody, and you may just hear it read on the next mm. episode. In the meantime, I'm Peter Franson. And I'm Hallie Carl. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you on Sunday. 